podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, my co-host Ben Aitson. Ben, um, we sit here again and unfortunately we don't have a positive result to dissect a disappointing defeat to Cardiff yesterday. Aside from that, how's your weekend been, mate? Uh, weekend's not been too bad. Uh, did a little bit of Christmas shopping yesterday with the family, uh, putting up the Christmas tree today, so that's something to look forward to. But yeah, it doesn't help when uh, Watford put in a performance like that. It kind of dampens your mood a little bit. Um, but how about you, mate? Yeah, yeah, likewise, mate. Uh, like last week, it's it's bloody typical. Last week, for those that listens will know that uh, a good mate of mine has just recently bought a new house and he's completely renovating it, so I've been helping out. Last week, I decided I wasn't going to come back to watch the game and we won 4-1. Yesterday, I decided I was going to come back home to watch the game and yeah, we uh, we went and did that, so it's typical. But other than that, mate, so all good. To blame. Yeah, I'm to blame. I did say that, um, you know, it was probably a sign last week that I, uh, I missed such a good performance. But other than that, all good. Christmas shopping all done. 20, 19 days till Christmas. I cannot believe that. Um, but yeah, um, it's not just me and Ben that are here, ladies and gents. For those that would have seen on Friday, uh, we are delighted to be joined by WD18 founder uh, and the occasional Hive Live appearance from uh, Jacob Coulshaw. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It means an awful lot. How are you doing this morning? Mate, thank you so much for having me. I've been watching, well, listening to your guys' stuff, obviously, with the pod, and um, really big fan of it, especially. I think there's, there's a, obviously, you've got From the Rookery, and you've got a couple of other yes. Watford podcasts, but you guys have been fantastic this season to keep up the great work, and it's a pleasure to be on. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a shame we're not doing the pod after a, a Watford win. Having said that, though, it's great to be on, and I'm sure we'll get into dissecting yesterday's performance. Yeah, we will. Thank you very much for the uh, for the calm words. I don't know, Ben, if you've paid him off to say that, but that was a brilliant <laughs> job. Thank you very much, Jacob. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, let's dissect yesterday. Now, before we go into like the team news and anything, it was the first time since Liverpool at home, so I think that was February time, that we had fans inside the Vic. Now, granted, it wasn't a full capacity, um, 2,000 fans. And I tell you what, when I was watching, I thought, God, they made an awful lot of noise. Now, Ben... How big, before obviously we talk about the result, how great was it to see Vicarage Road with fans again and it wasn't artificial crowd noise that you were hearing on the TV, it was the real thing? Oh, it's fantastic, wasn't it? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but um, I imagine it, it was um, spine-tingly moments, just walking up op- op- Occupation Road, yeah. walking through the turnstiles, walking through the doors that let you into the stands and seeing the, the green turf again. It's been so long and it, it was just fantastic to see the fans back in there. It's small steps in the right direction, isn't it? Um, but yeah, just hearing the fans getting behind the boys, like even shouting like man on when there's someone closing down or just trying to encourage the players. It, it's just fantastic to see them back at the Vic. Yeah, and like you say, hopefully small steps towards full crowds again. You know, I, I cannot wait for that day and I'm gutted. I live in a tier three area, so I can't come down or put my name forward for the ballot. But um, a gentleman that was there, Jacob, you were there yesterday. What what was it like? Obviously, we've just discussed it being good, that fans are back in. But 
surely there were aspects where you thought, okay, this is a bit weird. What, what was your day like yesterday being at the Vic? Yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal, actually, uh, being back for, what, how long since the Liverpool game in February? Um, I think the, the bit that really kind of got me quite emotional was when the players ran out the tunnel and they did the kind of lap of honour, clapping to the fans, uh, the family stand, and then obviously um, the rookery as well. And that was just a lovely touch, actually, to show that they, they could tell that they missed us during this period. Um, and it, you could tell it made a difference. Obviously, I think it would have been better had the performance been a bit better. Having said that, though, um, just the atmosphere was a lot better than I thought it, w- thought it would be. I thought with the social distancing measures, would it still be a proper football atmosphere? And it was, to be fair. Um, everyone was singing. Everyone was getting behind the boys. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a really encouraging signs for, for the times ahead. Hopefully we can get more fans back into Vicarage Road. But as Ben said, that walk down Occupation Road, um, obviously it was a bit of a different match day experience having, well, not having a temperature check, but just that whole, all the protocols you've got to go through. Um, make sure, and wearing your mask as well, which is really weird going to a football game wearing a mask. But I think it's something that we've all gonna, we're all going to get used to and we've all got used to. But um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a little step towards normality. And it was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic to be there yesterday. Yeah, I bet. I, I envy every single person that, um, <laughs> that, that was successful in the ballot. And um, Ben, I think you've been successful for Tuesday, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I'm lucky enough to go Tuesday night. Well, I've got to phone the ticket office first. I've, I had a bit of a meal. I, I, I didn't really read the email when it came through and I put down you and my mate um, to come with me, but obviously you're not in the same household. So I've got to kill for the ticket office on Monday and explain, <laughs> um, you don't live with me and I've got to come alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Tuesday night. Um, a bit of an easier opponent than Cardiff as well, so oh, I'm kind of hoping for a bit, bit more. Oh, Ben, you <laughs> jinxed it, mate. Brilliant. <laughs> I always do this as well, don't I? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I never thought I'd hear the day somebody say that Rotherham at home on a Tuesday night, they're looking forward to going. Never <laughs> thought I would hear that, ever. Uh, I think the last time we played them at the Vic was a, a midweek game as well. Um, 3-0 from memory. Um mm. I think it was Igalo had a masterclass, but hopefully we can mirror the same result on Tuesday. And uh, I, I envy you for Tuesday as well, as well, Ben. But getting stuck into the game itself, the team lose four changes from Wednesday's side. Probably not a massive surprise because of the rotation. The games are coming thick and fast now. We, we're coming up to the Christmas period, and we're in the Christmas period. But um, the four changes were Cathcart, Femenia, Chalabat, and Quinnett were out. Trooster Kong, Wilmot, Cleverly, and Semat were in. Uh, now, Ben, I, when I first saw this lineup, I was trying to think: was it a four-four-two? Were we going with three up front? I, were you trying to get your head around it or did you know that it was Wilmot left-back? Because we have seen him, I think it was QPR earlier in the season where he played left-back and he, he looked relatively comfortable there as well. Uh, it was a bit, bit of confusion really, seeing three centre-backs in the side, you kind of thought it was going to be three at the back, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, um, Wilmot came in and slotted in on the left-hand side, I was kind of expecting uh, Ken Semmer to come back in and fill the role that he's done so well this season. Uh, but yeah, it was a bit of a different formation. I thought it was a bit of a mismatch yesterday, how we lined up. Um, it was a, it was a frustrating one, wasn't it? Um, obviously, Cathcart was out the side because I think he um, picked up an injury towards the latest stages of the Nottingham Forest game. Kiko obviously flew back to see his uh, baby daughter, which congratulations to Kiko, by the way. Um, yeah, also, I think... That birth was actually nine and a half months after the Liverpool game, so we know what he was doing that <laughs> evening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, congratulations to him and his um, partner, Alina, I think it is. Um, but, yeah, um, we haven't really got much else to talk about with the lineup. Um, 
maybe Husey back on the bench. That was good yeah. to see. Um, Kapu on the bench obviously didn't come on, but yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Jacob, interestingly, what what did you make of that lineup? So, was you looking at that and thinking of four four two, or was you looking at and thinking what the bloody hell have we gone with here? Yeah, I, I could see the confusion because I think some people thought that um, that Wilmot was playing at left back, and to be fair, when when um, I think Wilmot played at left back against Preston, and it gave me Tommy Hoban vibes with twenty fourteen fifteen. If you remember, <laughs> yeah. if you remember that season when he scored against Rotherham, funnily enough. But, um, oh, we was there that night. That was a good road. Mate, what an away day! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I, I, to be honest, the, the lineup I thought was 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 fine. I think. What Ben mentioned about having Capone Hughes on the back, uh, back on the bench is a big positive. Seeing Ken as well at left, at left uh, midfield slash left wing back was was a big boost for us as well because he's been what one of the best players we've had we've had this season. Yeah, um, and he was probably one of the bright sparks in all honesty because he was actually taking on players, which is yeah something that maybe on the other side we weren't doing enough of, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto. But yeah, I, to be honest, on the on the lineup, I was I was. Pretty happy with it. I think the only frustration with me with that lineup is the midfield two, and this is nothing against Garner and Cleverly, but they're very similar players. They do the very similar yeah. jobs. So you've kind of got two players doing the same thing, and it meant we were pretty passive in the midfield, I thought. Um, so maybe I think when Hughesy came on, we looked a lot more bright. Keener, when he came on, a bit more creativity. It was weird when he got pushed the left back. But overall, lineup wise, I was relatively happy with it. But I think Hughesy will probably come back in in the next couple of games, and Kapu probably has to come in as well because um, we've got so much strength on the bench, haven't we? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what lineup he goes with uh, against Rotherham. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? I wouldn't write it off if we have another four changes because rotation is key, especially with the, the congested fixture list at the moment. But, mm. um, yeah, Wilmot yesterday, you, you didn't know whether at the start of the game he was playing left-back and then during the game whether he was playing up front. You know, he was uh, he was going on all these runs yesterday and I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. We, we saw signs of it earlier in the season, Ben. Um, look at João Pedro's goal away at Derby, for example. Uh, I, I believe it was Wilmot that played it to João Pedro and then Wilmot made that run into the box. So, we know he likes to get forwards, but he, he got forward quite a bit yesterday and it was quite refreshing to see and maybe a little bit frustrating as well because the players that you'd expect to run at players and get forwards weren't perhaps doing so. And was it a little bit frustrating, Ben, yesterday that the likes of Wilmot had to be doing that? Or do you, do you just think that that's the type of player he is anyway? Or Yeah, I think it's quite telling at the moment to see that there's, there's players in the squad who you would expect to run with a ball and take on the defenders and would do it constantly during the game. And it's people like Ben Wilmot, who's playing left back. I thought he was he did an all right job there yesterday. I thought his ability on the ball and driving with the ball was good. And I thought once Quinn came on the pitch, it was more effective because um, he was opening up play a bit more as well. Uh, but yeah, you kind of want your attackers to do that a bit more. But look, if we can add an extra defender onto the pitch and try and make it difficult for the opponents, we'll certainly do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Jacob, yesterday it was quite clear how this game was going to pan out because in the first half alone, when you look at the stats for the first half, Watford had 81, uh, no, sorry, 61% possession mm-hmm. and Cardiff had 39%, but the Cardiff had eight goal attempts. So it was pretty evident that they were happy to just sit back, let us have the ball as much as we want, soak up the pressure and then play that long ball forward to Kiefer Moore, who is a dangerous player and would have been highlighted to many before the game. Do you, would yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly that, Mike. I think it was it was pretty 
pretty predictable. And that's the way I sum up it is Watford's side at the moment. It's very predictable yeah. going forward. You kind of expect the same way we try to score a goal. Um, but I think that, that first half was just so, so frustrating because I think the only real clear-cut chance we had was Zhao uh, when he got onto the right-hand side of the penalty box, uh, flashed it across, across, the, uh, across the goal. And apart from that, I can't really remember us tr- troubling Alex Smithies, in all honesty. Right. Um, they would look dang- Cardiff looked dangerous from, from set pieces and, and crosses because, as you said, um, the, the, the amount of aerial threats they have is absolutely ridiculous. But I think I, I remember reading a stat that they have um, scored the most set piece goals this season in the Championship. So it was pretty, uh, if there was going to be one way they were going to score, it was going to be from a set piece. And obviously their goal did come from that, kind of the second ball, and it was just poor defending. But it's that. We've got enough, I believe we have enough quality to break those sorts of teams down. But the way we're doing it at the moment is very, almost too disciplined. We're trying to score the same goal every single time. And it's not really, I don't know, there's not a lot of expression, if you know what I mean, going forward. It's not very, it's not very unpredictable. Um, and that's why I think we've improved in the second half. Because when Keener came on, he was probably the one bright spark where you thought, you know what, he'll yeah. get at the Cardiff back line. He'll create something a little bit different. Hughesy again, moving the ball quicker. But... It was very samey, samey, and I didn't expect us really to, with the players we had on the pitch until he made the substitutes, for us to really test the test the Cardiff back line. But yeah, it was it was a good, to be fair, all credit to, to Cardiff. I mean, their game plan was absolutely spot on. Um, yeah. I mean, if they you're going to beat Watford one way, it's basically get the early, get the first goal and sit back and and soak up the pressure and look to hit us on the break. And yeah, I think they executed their game plan perfectly, and and just the way they managed the game as well. You know, those little fouls, the time wasting. They, they were so good at that. And that bit of experience, maybe with players the likes of Ghana, the likes of Zhao, who haven't had to experience that yet, I think it'll be a big, big learning curve for them because Cardiff had some really seasoned pros in there and they, they saw out that game brilliantly. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And I think what made it even more frustrating on top of that was you, you mentioned there the amount of times that they were winning uh, the aerial ball from corners and set pieces. Mm-hmm. And... You'd think after the first two, uh, and that's being sort of generous, but after the first two, you'd think, okay, they're obviously going to, you know, win win the ball here. We need to do something to, to do something about that second ball. And yesterday, it was uh, Morrison, big bloke, Kiefer Moore. I think he's six foot five. Um, I think even the substitutes that come on later were all over six foot two. So, mm. you, like you say, you know what type of game you're going to get from Cardiff and I think hats off to them they they executed that perfectly and I think they are, they will be an outsider I think Ben me and you have had them to be uh to be up there this season haven't we yeah they've got a good squad and with the addition of Harry Wilson as well I just think yeah. they're going to do really well I think they, I don't think they're going to finish top two but they're definitely going to finish in the playoffs and if they do they've got a good old chance of coming up because with Kiefer Moore up top he's scoring goals for fun at the moment and they're keeping clean sheets they're scoring goals from set paces they're going, coming to places like us and making it difficult for us when we should be putting them on the front foot and um, scoring goals but Look, Cardiff are a very decent side. I think Neil Harris is doing a very good job there. And yeah, they're definitely one to watch this season. Absolutely. And just sticking with you, Ben, Jacob mentioned now that we, we seem very samey samey in terms of how we want to play football and score goals. We've mentioned it a couple of times on recent podcasts where we almost seem content with just trying to walk the ball into the back of the net. And listen, I don't want to compare us to an Arsene Wenger side because that would be ludicrous. But it does remind me of Arsene Wenger's Arsenal that used to like to practically walk the ball in the net, pass, 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 walk the ball in the net. And we seem quite content with doing that. I, I think we need to mix it up. I think you cast your minds back to when we went up uh, under Jukanovic. 
you know, he wasn't afraid to mix up the style of play. There were some games where we played brilliantly. And then there were some games where we didn't, but we got the result. And I think that's what Ivic needs to learn about this division. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Ben, but I think we do need to sometimes stick it on teams, not be afraid to lump the ball up. I'm not saying do it every game because, listen, Nigel Pearson got absolutely hammered for doing that when uh, towards the end of his tenure. You know, he, he was quite happy with play the ball up to Troy, try and uh, sort of work off the scraps that Troy can win in the air. Uh, I'm not saying play that way all the time, but sometimes you have to mix it up. Is, it, is that something you'd agree with or are you quite happy with the way we're playing at the moment? I think a lot of what the fans are finding it, it's it's frustrating to watch at the moment because it, it's obviously not clicking. Um, the way Ivic wants us to play, it's not clicking yet for us. Um, it looks like we don't really have a plan B. So when things are going a bit tough, you'd kind of want him to change it a bit earlier than what he does. I think he's a bit late with substitutions and like like yesterday, like um, Jacob said, when Quinner came on, it, it kind of opened up a bit more and we were starting to create chances. I think we had about four or five corners in the space of five minutes because we was creating opportunities. But yeah, it just looks like we've got that one dimension at the moment. We're just trying to play it out to the wingers and then trying to put a low cross into a box and then we just tap it in. It's, we need to mix it up a bit. We I think opponents are playing against us and we're like, well, we know what Watford are going to do today. Um, yeah. And it's so easy for them to set up against us. We need to mix it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think before we move on to the second half, I think, like Jacob said, the only real clear-cut chance I remember is that one that Pedro fizzed of the post. You could maybe even say the one that James Garner delivered in and we couldn't quite get on the end of it. But I wouldn't really count that because, again, we didn't test Smithies. But I thought overall yesterday the set pieces were poor. Uh, and James Garner's come in with a lot of, you know, come under a lot of stick after yesterday. Uh, and the only thing I have to say about that is the kid's learning. He's not played first team football before. Uh, he's been a regular, I think he was captain for Man United under 23. So you'd expect him to have a decent amount of quality. And I've no doubt that he has that. But he's playing first team football for the first time uh, from memory. Um, in the second tier of English football. So he is going to have off games and to see people calling him to be sent back and not played again, I think is a little bit harsh, but I do think yesterday the, uh, the, the sort of quality of the set pieces were quite poor. Uh, gents, I want to quickly get your, your sort of take on Sonny. The corner that led to Kiefer Moore's goal, Jacob, were, were you in the rookery or were you in the Vicarage Road end? I was in the rookery. Yeah. yeah was, was it a corner? You didn't look yeah, like I... it on TV. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, I actually can't remember it that vividly. I'm not saying on the fence here, Mike, but yeah. all I'm going to say is I wasn't really paying that close attention. But I don't. Yeah. all I will say is I don't think there was many complaints in the rookery. There was a few people, but it wasn't in absolute, like, no one was that incensed about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, it did look touch and go. I, when I watched it back, it, yeah, it didn't look, yeah, 100%. But, um, but even then, you know, we had two opportunities to clear the ball. So it's like, <laughs> at what point do you go, yeah, we've got to take responsibility. Just what I wanted to mention, Mike, going back on to, um, just going back on to Ghana. Yes. I think the problem with him is, is, is twofold. Um, yesterday, anyway. Number one, I, was, I will say that he didn't play well yesterday, but I think he's a very talented footballer. Technically, he's brilliant. Um, I know his set pieces wasn't great, but the way he moves the ball, his fur touch is brilliant. And I think he's maybe lacking a bit of confidence with moving the ball forwards. Um, I'll also say another thing is there wasn't a lot of movement up front. And this is not me having a go at Troy and, and Zhao, but 
if you're a central midfielder and you're not seeing a lot of options going forward, then ultimately you are going to pass it backwards or sideways. I don't think they're deliberately choosing not to pass it to the centre forwards. But, I mean, we saw the way Cardiff set up, which is very compact, very tight to their man. But there wasn't, maybe Zhao made a couple of runs here and there, but Troy was very static. Saar wasn't making a lot of runs, only in the second half. Um, Ken was probably, that's why Ken was probably the best player, one of the best players in the first half, is because he was actually making a run down the left-hand side. So, yes, Garner didn't have his best game yesterday. Um, but what I will say is there wasn't a lot of movement in the final third. So it was very difficult to, to have a go at him. If there were options constantly going forward, then I would go, yeah, fair enough. There's, it's, it's purely his fault. But I think it was twofold yesterday. Yes, yeah. his passing wasn't great. But going forward, there wasn't enough movement from the front players. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I think a lot of people towards that second half, uh, I'll hold my hands up as well, probably were, were calling for Parizza to come on. Uh, whether it was for Troy or somebody else, I don't know. And unfortunately, it didn't happen until, what, I think it was 10 minutes left, but we'll we'll get on to that. But um, just going into the second half, first change at half-time, Kiko, I was very surprised he played at all, to be honest, because as you mentioned, Ben, the, the, the birth of his daughter, and I think he, he flew over to Alicante. Uh, so it must have been a quick turnaround for him getting back. I know it's only Spain, but still. Um Jeremy and Gakia, Ben, I think personally um, he looked a bit shaky against Forrest. Do you, do you think he looked shaky again yesterday or what, what was your thoughts on his overall performance? Do you think he, we needed Kiko coming on yesterday? Um, I thought he did okay and I thought he did okay at um, Forrest as well. I don't think he struggled. I just thought he put in just an average performance. I don't think he stood out at all, but it's nothing that really um, stood out for us to talk about with Ngakia. He's just not doing a solid job. He's, he's, he doesn't look like he's bombing forward as much as he did in the first few games. Um, he doesn't look like he's maybe getting uh, stuck in because um, I think after the first six, seven games when he started every single game, he was the one in the championship who's actually made the most tackles. Yes, um, well, yeah. But I don't think he's really been doing that since. Um, but yesterday, I don't know if you boys noticed, um, Ngaki was uh, feeling his side just before the half-time whistle. So I think he actually went off with an injury. Yeah, I think they've come out and said it was an abdominal injury. I've not said that right. Completely butchered that word. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he wasn't. His, his belly wasn't right. Uh, let's put that by. Um, but yeah, no, I think Kiko has been a breath of fresh air. I think he won September's Player of the Month as well. Uh, was it September? Or was it November? Uh, I think it might be November. Yeah, I don't know why I've said yeah. November. I've just looked in the corner of my screen and realised it's December now. So it definitely <laughs> wasn't September's. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Jacob, he's, he's been a breath of fresh air this season. And I, I think for a guy that got quite a bit of stick last season, um, I, I think he's taken like a duck to water in this division. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think uh, Kiko's probably been our player of the season so far, probably closely followed by Ken. But yeah. funnily enough, they're the two wing players and that's ultimately yeah. where we're most dangerous. So I think that says it all where, where we're trying to attack at the moment. But yeah, just going, going back onto Kiko, he's been fantastic this season. It, I always have to remind myself that we got him on a free transfer um, in, what was it, in 2017. Yeah. Brilliant bit of business to get three seasons out of a player to be one of our most consistent performers. Um, and I know he got a bit of stick last season, but... Ultimately, I think Kiko's been one of the better players since, well, since he's come into the football club. Um, the, his first touch is probably the best we have. I mean, he's so good under pressure. His agility, his speed, his pace, um, and technically he's fantastic. So, yeah, I think he's been, he's been brilliant for us this season. Um, and, and this is the thing, Watford's probably strongest position at the moment is probably right wing back. I mean, we've got Jeremy and Gakin, we've got Kika Feminia, and those two players are 
those two players are brilliant. Um, I think that with Jeremy, it, I think Kiko's probably the better fullback at the moment. I think Jeremy and Gaki will continue to develop. I mean, he's only 19, isn't he? So he's, he's got time on his side. Um, but I think maybe Kiko's slightly more consistent with his performances than Ngakia. That's not saying Gakia's played poorly, but because the standards are so high in that position, um, then it's always going to be it's going to be always going to be difficult. But he's always going to learn from Kiko as well, which is which is really good for Jeremy, and he's been a, a brilliant signing for us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, no, no, I was just going to say what what you've just said. I think clears it up perfectly. Kiko's been more consistent. That's not to say that Ngakia has not played well when he has, but mm. there's a reason that Ngakia can't get in the starting eleven at the moment. Is because of how well Kiko uh, Kiko's been playing. I think you're absolutely spot on. But sorry, carry on. No, no, no. So yeah, no. I I, I think that's basically how you sum it up. Both players are brilliant, but Kiko's probably the more consistent at the moment. And that's because he's got experience. That's because he's played regularly at Premier League level. Um, and he. I thought he was pretty, pretty good in the Premier, let alone the Championship. And I think also it was really important before the season that we tied Kiko down in terms of his commitment to the football club. Um, he's made it pretty clear he's happy at Watford. Um, he's settled in London. Um, and that's so important with players like him because I think there was interest. I think this was Spartak Moscow towards the end of the window. I think it was yeah. another couple of clubs who were interested in him. So he could have gone if he wanted to. Um, and obviously, if an acceptable bid to come into the football club. But... Yeah, no, Kiko's been probably my player of the season so far. And yeah, congratulations to him and his wife on, on the birth of their child. So, and also the commitment on, in the week to oh, play that game. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I don't yeah. know how he got away with that. If I missed the birth of my child, I, I think I would have <laughs> lost my relationship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just recording the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your legs crossed. I'm just recording. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the commitment shown by Kiko was brilliant. Even people that live in Nottingham, like myself, don't like going to Nottingham on a Wednesday night, let alone if they've had <laughs> if their partners had a, a, a baby two hours away in a different country. But yeah, absolutely, the, the commitment shown by him is brilliant. And I think a lot of people will echo what you've just said, Jacob, in terms of player of the season so far. He's definitely up there uh, with, mm. with uh, King Ken. But the, the second half yesterday, much like the first half, was pretty much Cardiff being happy, sitting on that 1-0 lead. And because they're a big side, because they're a typical championship side, that don't mind getting stuck in, it was very, very hard for Watford to break them down. Uh, again, I'll read out the stats for the second half. 69% possession for Watford, 31% possession for Cardiff. Uh, no shots on goal for Cardiff, only one uh, for, for Watford. Um, I'm trying to think what that one was. Um, Pedro's header. Yes, yeah, that's mm. right. Um, and 11 attempts overall for Watford and two attempts for Cardiff. They did pick up a couple of yellows as, as well, but it was evident that from the get-go in the second half, they were just happy to just completely time-waste. And I, I'd love to sit here and moan about it, but if Watford played like that, yes, it's not pretty, but it knows it, you, you're going to get results in, in this division. Mm. But I just want to touch on Ben. You mentioned at the start how good it was to have Will Hughes back on the bench. I thought yesterday, when he came on, um, when he came on, I thought he was the only one that was looking to try and get it forward at every opportunity. And it was a breath of fresh air seeing him back on that pitch. Much like Quinner. You know, we've mentioned, you you guys have mentioned when he came on, he looked lively. But I thought Will Hughes, he, he just wants to get the ball forward on every occasion. He's actually, you'd agree on Ben? Yeah, definitely. And just going back on what Jacob said earlier about how... 
there was, the strikers were static and that's yeah. probably why we didn't see the best of Ghana yesterday. You could see within five minutes, Shusey was on the ball and he, he got a bit frustrated with the front too. He, he kind yeah. of threw his arms in the air at mm. Troy and Jal because they were just standing there. They weren't, they weren't moving, moving or anything. So you could see straight away um, why Ghana probably struggled as well. But yeah, there was a bit more urgency there was a bit more tempo when um, Husey came on and Quinner came on and was opening up play a bit more we weren't playing the ball back to the defence all the time like we have done sometimes or just sideways passes we need to try and go forward with the ball and try and open up the defence and I think with with Husey and Quinner we had people who could maybe create something out of nothing I know it didn't happen yesterday but they've, they've definitely got the potential to do that in games I just I don't know what you boys think but that Husey chance he's got to take that first time don't he <sighs> yeah. yeah come on yeah I I mean it, it, it just summed up our, our luck yesterday you know there was calf chances that were created and we didn't really make anything of it and with Watford I've learned over the many years of supporting them that if you're having half chances that aren't really creating much or if you're having chances like the Husey one that's not going in, then it's not your day, simple as. You are not going to score. And unfortunately, that's what happens. But yeah, Jacob, I don't know if you want to add anything more onto that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Ben's got a good point there. Um, I, I, to be honest, yeah, Husey could have done better there. But I also think just the way Cardiff defended, and I know I'm praising them again, but the way they, they were so compact, the amount of men they had in that box, it was very, even if he got it on target, I doubt it would have gone in. Um, yeah. I, he, probably, probably should have, he probably should have taken it with his right foot. Um, but we know Husey prefers it on the, le- on the left foot. But, um, but yeah, it, it was half chances, wasn't it? And it's kind of been the theme of this season, really. Yeah. If, we don't, if we don't get the first goal, then I was saying it to you guys before, if we don't get the first goal, then we really do struggle to create because teams just know now, they just sit off a compact block, a low block, um, and we can't really, we don't really have the creativity to break them down, not only in the midfield, but in the final third as well. So it's, I'm struggling to put my finger on where, where at the moment it's going, where at the moment it's going wrong for Watford, whether it's tactically, whether it's personnel who aren't doing this, doing or kind of implementing the system correctly. I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, but certainly it's, it's half chance at the moment and that's not really good enough um, to be honest with you, especially yesterday when we, as you mentioned, Mike, you know, we dominated the ball and we, mm. I can't remember one clear cut chance we had. And the most clear cut chance we had was Parizza at the end and it was accidental. <sighs> I mean, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? So Absolutely. yeah, it, it's yeah, so, so frustrating to watch. And I think all Watford fans are kind of the same that it, we, we really do need to improve it because Yes, we're seventh in the league, and yes, we're what only three points off the top. But yeah. we could quite easily slide—well, well, four points off the top. But we can quite easily kind of slide down the table and and and, and lose lose a bit of space with the rest of the pack if we continue these performances. Um, because although yes, you can look at it and go, well, it's a lot. It's the first loss since Barnsley, but we drop points against Forest, drop points against Bristol City, drop points against QPR. Um, and we need to be winning those games. So, yes, these games are going to happen, but we need to start picking up the performances and, and the results will come. Absolutely. So, you just said there about we could quite easily slide down the table. I think I was watching a game with my brother yesterday and I think I said at one stage we were possibly 8th or ninth, And I said I think the lowest we could have slipped down yesterday was 10th. Uh, wow. And then a lot of people start getting on Ivic's back, which we're starting to slowly see a little bit more, aren't we, Ben? Um, now, I wasn't going to mention this. We got absolutely hammered a couple of weeks ago for putting a poll out about Ivic in or out. We weren't for one minute suggesting that we wanted Ivic to go, but we'd seen a few things on Twitter to, to suggest. Um, 
we've seen more of them now, Ben. We certainly are. Um, and I, I don't think it's down to Ivic. I really don't. I, I think I think he's the right man for his job. I think yep. it's going to take time. I just think the players have to take a bit of responsibility. These players are the same players that got us relegated from the Premiership last season. But the same players that had three managers last season. We, we can't just keep passing the buck onto the manager. It's not the p- manager. It is the players. We've only had a few additions that come into the squad this season, like the likes of Ngakia, Ghana, uh, Parisia. Semmers came back from loan. But the majority yeah. of the squad were here last season. And the, the, I don't know if you saw the interview with Adrian Mariapa with Adam Leventhal. Mariapa said that once, once the, the, the fans went in the Vic, mm-hmm. that's, that's when we started losing. And that's where the performances dropped. And it was just a bit rotten behind the scenes last season. And I don't think it's the, we've got the right mentality to like when it starts getting ugly and dirty, we grind out results or get a performance out of nothing. We haven't got that in the squad. And no. I think it's down to personnel in the squad. And maybe you could point fingers at recruitment as well. Like we are lacking massively for left sided players in this squad. Uh, I think we've only got Ken Semmer at the moment. Messina's obviously injured. He'll be another one. But apart from that, we haven't even got a left sided centre back. Yeah, I, I, I believe. I just think, I just yeah, think there's. there's it's easy to point the blame at the manager because he's the one who's standing on a dugout. It's. Uh, shouting out orders, trying to get the players to perform. But at the end of the day, it's the players who need to step up here. Absolutely. And just your point on the left-sided centre-backs, and uh, left-sided centre-backs, uh, left-footed um, sort of players. Messina is in contention now. I just think that they don't want to risk bringing him back too soon. So I wouldn't be massively surprised if uh, Messina actually plays some part on Tuesday night. And uh, I'm hoping that is the case. But in terms of the Ivic out brigades, and I'm really hoping there is now only a small few, uh, I I just want to turn our attention to a a thread of tweets on Twitter that come in yesterday from... uh, from my old man and he, uh, he tagged ourselves from the rookery end and the second tier podcast in it. I won't read all of them uh, because there's quite a few, um, but he just mentioned a, a couple of points, which I think are relevant just off the back of talking about the Vlad out brigade. Uh, he said, people saying Vlad should go or at least question his sustainability. I want to say that the guy is a proven winner. I want to say that talk of him going is ridiculous. It is ridiculous but I'm finding it hard to defend what we are seeing. I also worry what we have become as a club, and I'll caveat that by making it clear that Gino and Scott will get no criticism from me. Our club is immeasurably stronger than it was in 2012, and crucially, than it would have uh, become. But Sack, the manager, has become the go-to for many fans. I want us to get back to the club that sticks with players and managers in adversity, that lifts them through it. We've done it before. Uh, And I I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, Ivic has obviously got a winning mentality. Yes, it's in the Israeli league. I'm not for one minute comparing the Israeli league to the championship. But if you have a winning mentality... It, it will work everywhere. Uh, so, Jacob, I, I just want to get your thoughts on, on the people that are saying if it's out. Uh, I'm sure you'll echo pretty much what Ben says, but I'm sure you'll probably want to add a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one with, with Ivic. Um, when he came in, I think it was made pretty clear that he's coming in to 
effectively changed the culture of the football club. Um, you know, the way we, the number one, the way we play football, the way the squad interacts with the with the manager, the head coach. And um, it was it was very much, I think, proposed that he would bring in this completely new culture to the football club, which I think we needed. And I think the fact that we got relegated last season meant that the championship gave us the perfect time to reflect, refresh, uh, reflect and, and go again, really, and, and change the philosophy of the football club. Now, I think it hasn't helped that, I think before we came in, I think a lot of people expected this expansive attacking brand of football, this 4-3-3, and it took, what, 10 games for us to even see that formation. Yeah. Um, and the attacking football hasn't, hasn't really come around, really. OK, Preston was probably the, the best game, and we played in a 4-4-2 then. I don't really care what formation we play in, but I think the, the issue with, with, with me at the moment, and just in general with Watford, not really at Vlad or, or well, the players as well, but I don't really enjoy watching the style of football we're playing at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. The last few games has been pretty dull to watch, in all honesty, particularly away from home. I mean, if we look at some of the last results, what, it was uh, Forest, um, Bristol City away, 2 nil nils, And yes, you have to pick up points in the road, but we're not exactly dominating those games. And we're not exactly looking... I don't never feel like we're actually going to go and score. It's very much half yeah. chance, as you mentioned, Mike. But, um, but go, going back on, on to Vlad... It was always going to be difficult when he came in. I know this has been kind of pushed around a lot, um, well, by myself, to be fair. The, the, the situation he came in, relegated squad during a global pandemic, a shortened pre-season, the squad with players coming in and out. I mean, we had Luis Suarez who came in, then he's out again. There was a lot going on and he had to basically cipher through the squad and go, who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here? So that's, that was the first job. Then he's got to impose his philosophy. And yes, it's going to take time. Um, and I don't think injuries has helped with that. And I don't think the fact that he hasn't had a left back has helped with that, as you guys mentioned. So there's been a lot of things that have gone against him. I think what is really, really important, and this is kind of the, the make or break, I think, with, with, with this season under Ivic, is, is, is the next few games in this Christmas period. If we can pick up results in the, uh, through the Christmas period in the new year, starting with Rotherham on, on Tuesday night, then I think a lot of fans will go, you know what, it was a tough few fixtures but we got through it and now we're going to kick on if we continue with the sort of performances we're not really improving from the last performances then I think we've got problems and then I guess a decision will have to be made whether he is the right man but I think it's certainly too early and too early to start questioning it this well I think people can question him of course they're allowed their opinion but my my point is I think just let the Christmas period play out and then reassess it after Swansea I think it's we get the international break after the Swansea game on January the 2nd so it's a really busy fixture list coming up. I mean, the fact we're playing on Tuesday again, is, is, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I have to echo what you said, Mike. You know, he's, he has a winning mentality. Um, he's, we've seen it in the Israeli league. And, and of course, the championship is a different proposition. Uh, I think what maybe doesn't help sometimes is that we compare this squad and this manager to the 2014-15 squad yes. and manager. Um, yeah. Because the way we played under Slav was just phenomenal. I mean, the guy was... I mean, actually, if we compare the, the points tally between this season and last season, we're only two points worse off than we were in the 2014-15 season. Mm-hmm. So it's, a lot of people are starting to panic at this point, but we know how many games there are over this championship season. Um, and I, I think we can turn it around. I think we may need some investment in January. Whether that will happen or not, I'm not too sure. But I think having Messina come back in, maybe moving to a back four and four four two would be would be great. But I think we we just need to get behind the the, the head coach over this Christmas period. As tough as it, tough, tough as it was yesterday against Cardiff, I think it should improve from here. But certainly it needs to improve quickly. Otherwise, as you said, fans will will potentially start to turn on Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've we've pretty much 
put that to justice and, and put that to bed. I think we're uh, we, we're very um, evident that we're in the Ivic in camp, and I think we've made some solid points there. So hopefully those uh, Ivic out brigade will start to sort of simmer out in the next uh, next few weeks. And like you say, it's a, a very very hectic period at the moment. Um, just one other thing I just want to talk about um, before we we go on to a couple of more things. Um, we saw three substitutions yesterday so we didn't use all five i'm not overly concerned that we didn't use all five because i don't think we really needed to uh parik's a command for ben wilmer in the end um do you think that was maybe too late ben do you think parik's should have come on earlier uh, and do you think he could should have come on for troy or do you think it was literally stick parik's on for a defender we going for this uh, he definitely needed to come on sooner. Um, yep. Whether or not he needed to come on for Troy or not, um, it's a different story. Um, I think maybe he wanted the aerial presence up there or try and challenge Cardiff a little bit because they had a lot of aerial presence. But we need to see more of Parisio. Like I've said before, I, I do believe Parisio is probably the best striker we've got at the club. Um, he's had a horrible history with injuries in his career. But when you look at his run of games, his ratio and goals to ratio is actually pretty decent. Um, his movement off the ball is good. His positioning in the box is better than all the other strikers I think we've got as well. So I just want to see more of him. Um, I, I do think maybe he should have came on when Quinner and Husey came on to a triple substitution then. Um, it, it's just leaving it a little bit too late and then we're chasing our tail a little bit because he, he did get a chance at the end um, like Jacob said I think accidentally had a chance at the end where it just hit his head and went, sailed over but I think you said beforehand Mike that he, I think the offside flag was going to go off up for yeah. that anyway um, so it wouldn't have counted anyway but I just think we're we're too predictable and we're not creating enough clear-cut chances at the moment and I don't know if that means we need more creativity from midfield or if we need more movement up front or we need more of a clinical striker. There's, there's lots of things that aren't really clicking at the moment. And I just think, I, I, I don't really know where it's going to come from at the moment. I don't know whether we need to try and scrape through till January and then try and find a replacement. But like Jacob said, we're in a global pandemic. Not many teams are wanting to splash money out. That's why we didn't go for like even Antoni in the summer because Peterborough wanted a lot of money for him and Watford aren't prepared to do that. We've only, we've only made three transfers or loans this season. Um, so especially relegated clubs aren't going to part money at the moment um, because they're trying to balance the books. But it'll be interesting to see now we've got some fans coming through. I know it's only 2,000 a game, but at least that's a little bit of income coming in. I don't know whether they can justify spending a bit of money now if it's a bit of income coming in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I'd like to see Parisha start against Rotherham, though. Um, well, what about what about you? I, I was going to say, and I, I was going to sort of uh, ask for Jacob's opinion on this as well. Obviously, mm. it's great seeing Troy Deeney back playing because I absolutely adore it. I think he's brilliant. Uh, I love him. He's great, but he has been injured since he, he played through an injury last season. Uh, I think he practically said he played on one leg. It, it was almost like, and he had the rehab for his knee. Do you think that it's maybe too soon to be starting him week in, week out? I think that was that yesterday, was that his third start in a season, um, mm. in a row, sorry? So mm. do you think that maybe it's perhaps too soon to be giving Troy a run of games? Possibly while we're a little bit static up front like we watched yesterday? Or yeah. do, uh, do yeah, what do you think on that? 
Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a difficult one with Troy because I think yeah. when he plays in a one-up top, he's, he's quite isolated and that's yes. not really his game. So when you play Zhao just in behind him, it doesn't really offer us a lot because I think Troy's at his best. and We've seen it over the years, as every single Watt fan knows, when he's with a partner, Vidra, Igalo. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious if you put him with someone who's got pace in behind, he will, he will do well. Now, I don't think Andre Gray, well, we improved when Troy and Andre were up front together against Preston. But I don't think you can you can play. Zhao was playing just a little bit deeper from him, and you could tell Troy was getting frustrated because there was they weren't really on the same wavelength. Zhao was making a run to the right. Didi was making was kind of staying central. Um, he didn't really want to move away from the two centre halves. But but on your question, Mike, is it too soon potentially? But I think we need a focal point up front now. I think yeah. Paritza can do that. I agree with I agree with Ben. I think I would like to see him start against Rotherham. Actually, if we're going to continue with the same system. I think Peritz offers you a little bit more. He occupies defenders um, short and deep. He runs in behind, which is quite unusual for, for, for the size of him as well because he's a big boy. Um, he's, got, he's got a turn of pace, and I, I like that about Peritz, and his movement's good. I mean, we saw it against Bournemouth, that goal. Oh, I mean, yeah, brilliant. Like it, was, it, it was quite a simple, relatively simple finish, but the, the run he made in between the two centre-halves was so good, and I haven't seen Troy do a lot of that, in all honesty. He doesn't really make runs across the front post. Um, he doesn't really, it's very same, again, quite predictable with Troy. He's not yeah. that difficult to defend. But I do, I, I have to admit that he is so much better with a partner. So it, it's kind of, again, t- twofold. On the one hand, yes, he needs to do more. But at the same time, I think he'd be a lot better with a partner, as we saw against Preston. Um, but yeah, it, I, I would like to see Peritza get a run of games because I think he hasn't, well, I know he had his, his injury against Bournemouth, which was so unfortunate because he probably thought, I'm going to get a run in the, run in the side now. Yeah. Um, but certainly, he looks, he, he, he gets in good positions. And, and as Ben mentioned, his, although he hasn't played loads of games over his career, his goal-to-game ratio is actually really good. Um, so certainly, that's something for Vladimir to, to consider. And what will be interesting is to see whether he has maybe the, the cojones, really, to drop Troy. <laughs> because he, he's, he's come in... Um, after three games, and he hasn't. I mean, he was good against Preston, and, and yes, yes, he was. But mm-hmm. after Cardiff, is he going to say Troy should have done more, or is he going to say the midfield should have done more? And that will be interesting on on Tuesday night with what selection he picks. But certainly, I like to see uh, Peritza get a, get a run in the run, run of games in the side. Yeah, yeah, and I think Ivic was known for that at Maccabi Tel Aviv. He wasn't afraid to drop their star players. And to be fair, when I heard that, I didn't know Maccabi Tel Aviv had star players. But um, <laughs> I think they've got. Uh, I think actually they've got um, Nick Blackman. Um, I think he was a bit of a journeyman in the uh, championship. I think for Reading. But uh, yeah, he's not afraid to um, not afraid to drop the star player so possibly Ivic could do that but I, I echo what you guys are saying I would love to see Paritza start on, on Tuesday night uh, and again I think we'll see a, a lot of rotation um, but yeah that that I, I say I didn't really want to dissect it I think we've done a brilliant job at dissecting that lads um, considering we lost hopefully that performance can sort of spur us on to go again in front of our fans on Tuesday night. Uh, ben, I'm sure you'll be uh, chanting for the boys and I'm sure it'll be your voice we can hear on Hive Live uh, throughout the game on Tuesday night. Um, but just quickly turning our attentions to Tuesday night, we, we won't go too much into depth. Obviously, Rotherham not doing great in the league this season. Lost 3-1 to Coventry yesterday and obviously we beat Coventry earlier in the season currently 20th with 13 points Ben I feel a bit 
weird saying this now because we just lost our unbeaten home record, but we're at home against Rotherham and touch wards. I know you jinxed it earlier on for us, so we are going to lose. But <laughs> do you think that we, we, we should, I don't want to sound arrogant, but we should really be coming away with three points here, shouldn't we, Ben? As a relegated Premier League side and with the players that we've got in our squad, yes, <laughs> we should be on paper. We've said it Glory all season. Of our on, season on, isn't it? <laughs> on paper, we sh- we should we should beat teams in this league. Uh, yeah. We should probably get promoted on paper. But as a team, I, I do worry that, about that because I don't think we play as a team sometimes. I think it's more as individuals sometimes. And um, you look at other sides like maybe Stoke this season, for an example, they're, they're doing brilliant and working well as a team. Um, last season, they almost, almost got relegated until uh, their manager came in and turned it round. We just need performances. We need to gel. We need to get performances as a team. Um, we've not seen it lately, but I'm hoping we can go back to our home form that we had a lot of success with this season against Rotherham because Rotherham, no disrespect to them, but they're a bit of a yo-yo side, aren't they? They, yeah. they managed to do, they're, they're too good for League One, but they, they always seem to struggle in the championship. And mm. I just think we, we have to put a performance in against Rotherham and then hopefully that will give us a bit of confidence going into our weekend's game as well. Um, but yeah, You'd want a clean sheet against Rotherham as well. 100%. Um, and you'd want two or three goals minimum. Yeah. And like you say, Ben, I think you get that performance against Rotherham. And no disrespect to Rotherham because we are going to speak to a fan as well. Um, you, you'd you like to think that a 3-0 win, doesn't matter who it's against, will give the confidence to the boys and then we can kick on because we, we've got quite a tough run of games coming up after that. So, Jacob, we've obviously talked about the changes that we'd like to see. How many changes would you actually make if, if you were the man in charge for Tuesday, looking at the side we played yesterday, how many changes would you make from that side, considering we've got another, I think there's another midweek game after this one as well, if mm. memory serves correctly. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the first change I'd make is bringing in Kiko. Um, I'd actually switch to back four probably. Um, potentially a 4-2-3-1. Uh, I'd play Gaffer on the right, Kiko on the left. Um, I quite like Trustacon and Cabasale together, and that's nothing against Wilmot, but I think we need to move away from a back three um, mm-hmm. because defensively we're very disciplined, and the problem yes. this season has not been defensively. I think we all yeah. know that. I mean, we've got, I think, one of the best defences in the league, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, actually, yeah, there we go. 16 games played, 12 goals conceded, only Swansea and Middlesbrough have better. So mm-hmm. that shows that, we're, I mean, defensively is not the problem at the moment, and that's the big thing that I guess Ivic has come in and. We've got the quality to, to, to stop out most championship attacks from open play anyway. Um, but yeah, just, 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 looking at, just looking at Tuesday night, I would switch to a four at the back. Um, I, 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 I don't really mind if Wilmot plays or the back two because I think we've got enough quality with whoever he picks. Um, I'd bring in Hughes and Capu for sure. Um, maybe in a midfield two if, if Capu's fit enough. I think Hughes will be able to start if he's making an appearance off the bench. Maybe 70 minutes or so. I play a on the right, uh, Ken Semmer on the left, and, and I think I'd bring in Keener into the middle. And I know that's that's bold and dropping Pedro, but I think Keener is probably the one player who creates something out of nothing. He's he he, he gets in the pockets of space just in front of the back four and looks to drive forward with the ball. And I think he's probably one of the only attacking players at the moment who I have belief in that will do that. Now the the big question is if we're playing that system, who do you play up front? Peritza or Dini. I would go for Peritza. I think Rotherham away is the perfect opportunity to test some of these players out because it's a difficult game. It is a difficult game because we are, as you guys mentioned, we are the favourites going into it. 
but we are the favourites going into every game. And I yeah. think the two words this season, well, to sum it up, is on paper. Because if on paper, we've won the league already. But unfortunately, we're not playing on paper. We're playing on grass. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that's, the, that, that's, the, that's the big thing for me. You know, we're, we're expected in this league to, to win every game. Um, now, I don't know whether it's a mentality thing, because I think we've, we have got the quality. Or maybe, well, maybe we don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bit, maybe a bit too optimistic. But um, certainly it needs to improve. And, and that would probably be my team, Mark. I don't know about you if you'd change anything from that. But I think bringing Hughes and Kapu in and, and Kiko to left back would probably be a smart move. Uh, yeah, I think you've, not, again, not to sound boring and agree, but I, I, I think you, you're pretty much spot on there. I don't know, Ben, would you make any changes to what Jacob said or...? Um, no, I, I, I think it's pretty spot on. Um, I would like to probably do a Parisio and Gel Pedro up front. Uh, I think mm. Troy needs a yeah. rest. Um, I, I do think James Garner needs to come out. I think he's just played three games back to back. Um, so I think it was quite telling yesterday. I think he was a little bit tired, maybe. Um, but yeah, you'd want to see um, Kiko back in the side, yep. Emma probably left back. Um, True Seacon and Cabaselli at the back I, I think that's a partnership that could really work for us and like Jacob said defensively we're quite good I, I don't Cardiff only had one shot on target yesterday so we really did limit their chances so defensively it's fine it's just going forward and I, I wouldn't mind playing Quinner in that central role as well um, but it's difficult isn't it I, I would like Kapu to come back in I think Hughes will come in as well. Um, I'm just throwing names at it, aren't I? I'm just I know, yeah, yeah. You've got, you got, you got the squad list in front of you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, Maybe throw well, Batman not, in, Adam Parr. Well, I'm not, well, I'm not <laughs> playing Ben Foster. But ben Foster's on the bench, so I'm going to put yeah. Quinner on so just to get that extra attacker on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we don't need Ben Foster much on Tuesday night. That's, that's, that's the hope, anyway. But um, just quickly, Ben, sorry, which you brought to my attention uh, before this, you mentioned João Pedro there. Real Madrid, 40 million, and we're telling Watford are telling Real Madrid we won't sell for cheap. Like, how mad is that? I mean, even in the Prem, I'd be a bit, whoa, we're telling Real Madrid, like, no. But in the Championship, that sort of highlights the, the Pozzo's model, doesn't it, Ben? It does a bit, but if Real Madrid come in at the end of the season and we're still in the Championship, I think Gino's going to take that 40 million. You have to. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would, would you take that 40 million, Jacob? Uh, too much of a no-brainer. <laughs> well, I think I think if you're at the end of the season, we're still in the championship. Then I think you'll have, as Ben said, no choice to really yeah. not not accept it. But the thing is with Zhao, the the money at the moment that is big money, particularly in the, the current market. I think, like, yeah. don't get me wrong, I think that there's been some crazy figures being being uh, banded around at the moment. But certainly for for Zhao, considering he's only got played how many games of this, this championship <laughs> season, it hasn't been that many. <laughs> Don't get yep. me wrong, he's a massive talent, but 40 million is uh, yeah, quite, quite, quite a bold shout from Real Madrid. But the fact, as you said, Mike, you know, the, the Pozzo model has been incredible. Like, I mean, I think the, per- the, the, the example that we all go to is Richarlison. I mean, we've got, what, 11 and a half, 13 million pounds and we sold him for 50. Probably include yep. the Marco Silva compensation, but the, the, the model is there. So I think Zhao, when he came to Watford, was pretty much shown that this is how it works. If, you're part, if you want to be part of this weekend, take you on to the next level um, and him getting more championship experience will only stand him in good stead and I think there'll be if he can can pick up the form again like he like he did at the start of the season I'm sure there'll be a, a number of clubs looking to looking to get him yeah and like you say there you know he's 40 million for a handful of appearances 
why not even better get him a full season under and we can ask for double that. Mm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the, just quickly as well, I, I know I keep going off topic, but the Pozzo model that we're all familiar with could sort of, it could take a big hit actually because there was some news that come out from the Athletic the other day where Premier League clubs have been banned from signing under-18 players from abroad under new regulations after the UK leaves the European Union. So that's going to be very, very interesting because as we know, we, we, we've got quite a big scouting network in South America. So it's going to be interesting to, uh, to keep an eye on that one. But um just going back to the Rotherham game, myself and Ben did speak to a Rotherham United fan earlier from the uh, very original naming of R- the Rotherham United podcast. Uh, so <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we spoke to those chaps to get the lowdown on Rotherham United and, and what their thoughts were ahead of the game. And, uh, and this is what was said. <laughs> Yes, we're joined here by Matt from the Rotherham United podcast. Matt, thank you very much for, for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll start at the very beginning. Uh, if my research is correct, uh, th- now there may be a couple of players in that you've probably put into the youth team, but I've managed to count 15 players that you've brought in in the transfer window, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what do you think of your overall transfer activity now you're back in the Championship? Uh, pretty decent. I don't. I think a lot of them must have gone into the youth. I think we've uh, probably only brought in a handful of players for the actual first team squad, and one of them was Dan Barlazer, who was on loan last season, so he doesn't really feel like a, a signing. Um, it feels alright. I think we, were, we we felt like we had a pretty strong squad coming in. Uh, we had to replace the keeper because the keeper last season was on loan. We, we hasn't come back. Uh, Wes Harding coming at right back and done, done really well. He came in from Birmingham. Uh, some decent championship experience is what we what we needed in defence. So he, he's he's done quite well so far. Um, but then we've we've then gone out loads of injuries. We've got about seven people injured a minute. So a lot of people we brought in are out injured. So it, it was a, felt like a good summer um, until the injuries started coming in. <laughs> Just going off. Um, so yesterday you was away to Coventry City, three uh, one defeat mm. for you guys. Uh, just looking at the match stats, you had fifty seven percent possession to Coventry's forty three. You matched them on total shots, ten goals each. But Coventry had seven shots on target, and you only had one. Is is it just what's what's happening this season with you being twentieth? Is is it just being clinical enough? Uh, it's odd. Yeah, I'm surprised you've mentioned all them stats. How, how well they all sound because we we all felt we were absolutely awful yesterday. <laughs> Oh, wow. um, it was our worst performance of the season. We couldn't. It felt like we couldn't string two or three passes together, particularly in the first half. Um, the goals we gave away were just simple balls over the top, over the top of the defence, and we just didn't deal with them. Um, we had a, up until the international break. It felt like we had a pretty decent start. I think we were 18th or 19th for, for us. That's sort of where we're aiming at to, you know, be safe above the relegation zone. Um, since then, we've only picked up one point, which was against Bournemouth. Uh, which was a good point, but yeah. it was only it's, it's only the only one we've had since the restart. Defensively, before again before the international break, we looked pretty solid. But since the international break, we've considered like eleven goals in five games, which is nowhere near good enough. Where if you want to be staying in this division, you need to be sort of keeping goals low at one end and hoping you can sort of nick a couple up front. Um, we need to start taking our chances. Yeah, like you mentioned, we we, we have we created we've got enough chances. But we never really threatened the goal, particularly yesterday. We never, other than the penalty, which where the goal came from. I don't. I don't he didn't feel like the keeper had anything to do. 
uh, their keeper. So we need to start making the chances that we do create actually count for something because at the minute we're just not doing that. I think you answered one of the questions which I was just about to ask. In terms of your aim of the season, you say mm. it's to stay up. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think there will ever be a time when? Because no disrespect to Rotherham, but it almost seems mm. like they're, they're quite a yo-yo side between League One, almost mm. too good for League One, if you like, and then just about sort of treading water in, in uh, the Championship. What, what do you think it would take for the next step to maybe? Challenge for I don't know mid table maybe top mm. half I know it might sound a bit OTT from but I, I'm from the outside looking in. What what do you think it would take to make that next step for Rotherham? It's, well, first of all, it's just about stopping. If we can stop up, then you sort of been able, you are able then to have a bit. You've got a bit more for us. We've got a bit more money because all our money is basically based on what money comes in from uh, crowd money, which obviously not coming at the minute, but prize yeah. money for finishing and whatnot. So if we if we stay up, obviously that that improves the money we can afford to spend on players, which is then hopefully takes us to the next step. We need a bit of luck. Last time we came up to the championship, we only went down by about four points, something like that. So it, it wasn't like we were miles away, um, and we had a few moments where you know, as as everybody does, few bad refereeing decisions, few things that don't go your way. So we need to hopefully get a bit of luck this time. Um, but so far this season, we haven't been in the relegation zone. You know, we're what sixteen games in. And we, we're now a point above the relegation zone, which is the worst we've been throughout the whole season so far. So we've got to keep the uh, optimism up to, you know, try and, we, can, we can do it. We've got good, we feel like we've got good enough players. We've, had, we've got a, probably a slightly better squad than when we were last time. So we have improved. I think the idea with Yo-Yo is it's, it's not necessarily a problem as long as you've got an idea of a, or a plan to try and stay up. If you're going to go back down, when we did go back down last time, we brought in a goal scorer. Freddie Lodapo, who, who wasn't with us last time in the championship, mm-hmm. he hit 14 goals last season, has got four so far this season. So the idea is that he will help us score those goals, which didn't, which we didn't get last time to try and keep us up. But that's not, not quite clicked yet, but hopefully it will soon. It sounds like basically you just need to get these seven, seven or so players back and then you should be mm. all right and you, sh- you should maybe climb the table a little bit more. Um, coming to Vicarage Road on Tuesday night, um, you're probably not looking forward to it too much. If you've, I don't <laughs> think you've won in your last five games. Um, who are Rotherham's danger men to look out for? Um, it's difficult to say because of how, how Saturday went. I think there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, it had been Freddie Lodepo has been up top he, got, he scored two against uh, Bournemouth and one against QPR so he's a, they're all international, international break uh, I couldn't even tell you how we're going to line up on Tuesday we, we played 3-5-2 in the last couple of games which worked okay and then yesterday it went very very badly um, so it's difficult to say who the danger man is going to be Michael Smith's our, our target man who will probably play up top uh, so when we want to go direct he will be the one that's going to cause, hopefully, aerial problems. Um, midfield for Jamie Lindsay is our midfield, not generally sort of the heart of the team. He's, he's a typical Scottish midfielder, runs <laughs> around a lot, gets stuck in, nice and aggressive. Uh, he's been really, really good this season at Championship. He was a bit of a surprise. He, he was okay in the, in the League One, but this season he's been brilliant. Um, so hopefully those two... Uh, will hopefully cause you some problems. <laughs> well, you, you say about Matt Smith and you said he, he's an aerial threat. That sort of mm. strikes fair into the, the lives of Watford fans <laughs> because we've just obviously come off the back of mm. a 1-0 defeat to Cardiff and their danger man was Kiefer Moore, who's six foot mm. five, and uh, you know he, he's, he's a big, big bloke. So that does worry me a little bit. But uh, in terms of Watford, uh, 
Is, is there a specific player or maybe one or two that you're thinking, oh, God, I'm really not looking forward to them coming up against us? Uh, not anybody specific, no. I mean, the thing on the, from the outside for Watford is, you, from our point of view, it's hopefully inconsistent. Yeah. Um, you on, on the day look a really, really good team, pretty solid team, but then you play Cardiff, like you say, on Saturday and they have not had a good start to the season at all mm. and they've sort of caused you problems. Um, there's nobody specific because you've got some really good players. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you reckon the score position could be um, Tuesday night? Uh, I take a boring nil-nil if, uh-huh. if I can, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we'd be able to go through uh, through another one of them. We we tend to do that a lot away from home. Uh, yeah. But do you, do, you, do you think just just quickly off the back of that? Do you mm. think there'll be much um, of a difference because we obviously had two thousand fans in um, mm. uh, yesterday, so do you think that will play into sort of the your hands? Because Neil Harris before the game was saying, "Well, it's not fair that Watford have got fans," and mm. they ended up taking the win. And I think there was a couple of times at the weekends where there were home fans in, but the away uh, the away teams weren't. Do, do, do you think there'll be that psychological edge on, on Tuesday? Possibly, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even thought about the, the, the sort of the negative impact for the home team. I, I would have thought, thought and hoped it would help the home team. The home team. Yeah. Um, it's a bit strange, like you said. It's a bit, it is a bit strange that the away teams have maybe benefited from that. Um, maybe it's just you know the first game back, and it's, it's a bit, maybe a bit weird for the home fans, yeah. uh, for the home players, particularly ones that have, you know a lot of players are playing home debuts in front of fans for the first time. So maybe that's a bit, a bit weird for them. Yeah, uh, we Coventry didn't have fans yesterday, um, so for for, for, our, for our, a lot of players, it's a new experience for what nine months, whatever it's been without them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting point. Hopefully, it will help us. But I'm not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it works out for Rotherham, but with Watford, we've we've had to enter like a ballot, and then mm. for the whole month, and then we get drawn out, and we get an email saying if we've been successful or not. Mm. Is that quite similar with how Rotherham are doing? Because I think you were at home to Bristol City at the weekend, so is, that's going to be a first chance for Rotherham fans to get back into the stadium. We're still in tier three, so there's no fans for us at the minute. <laughs> oh right, um, yeah. Um, we're in the north, and all the north gets tier three, doesn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> um, we're on from that point. We're on a good trend with COVID, so hopefully, when the next review comes up, we'll get lucky. So hopefully, before Christmas, we might sneak some fans in. They haven't said how we're going to do it yet, but what I will say is, if we can get two thousand fans in, we've only got about five thousand season ticket holders. Okay. So although there probably will be some sort of ballot, there'll not be that many people missing out. So maybe take it in turns or something like that. They haven't, they haven't said yet, but for us, we've been not, not as many fans. It's not as much of an issue as it would for something like Watford or some bigger clubs than us. Yeah. Uh, and just to finish up on the interview, we, we tend to ask every opposition fan that comes on, um, your three teams you think will go up and your three teams that you think will go down uh, this week, if we start with the three teams to go up. Um, Norwich have seemed to have come into some good form. I can't, I can't see them uh, not being at least up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Bournemouth are one of the best teams we played. We picked up a point against them, but they were still very, very good. Yeah. Um, and I can't see past you guys as well. I think the three three that came down are probably won't be if they're not going up, they won't be far off at all. Yeah. I think it'll, once it clicks, I think it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel yeah. you. Yeah, no, I, I thought that draw against Bournemouth, uh, mm. shame we couldn't capitalise on it. That was a fantastic result for you guys. Mm. Uh, and uh, you, you three to go down? Um, I'll speak Sheffield Wednesday, uh, hopefully. Um, yeah. Our local rivals. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, their their six point deduction will hopefully will keep them down there for a while. Hopefully, but Tony Pulison, um, yeah. which he's a very good manager. If they've got a chance to stay up, he'll, he'll help. Um, Wickham, I can't see Wickham staying up. They'll, yeah. they'll try their best and hope for their sake they get close, but I just can't see them staying up there. Um, and then you're looking at that, and then you know, Forest aren't picking up the points. So you could probably see if Forest don't start uh, picking some up, Forest are going to be down there. And if they don't, they are look like they may struggle. So I'm going to say Forest as well. Oh, very, very interesting. That's uh, that's probably one of the more interesting picks we've had uh, out of everyone. But uh, yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you very, very uh, much for coming on. Matt is a uh, he does the Rotherham United podcast, so we'll tag them in the tweet as well, so make sure you go and check them out. But yeah, thank you very, very much for coming on, Matt. And uh, other than Tuesday and the reverse fixture, uh, I really do wish you uh, the, the best for the season. I, I do like Rotherham away. Uh, so uh, yeah, best of luck for the rest of the season, buddy. Well, cheers then, you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. So, yeah, thanks to the guys over at the Rotherham United podcast. Best of luck for the rest of the season, uh, other than on Tuesday and the reverse fixture, as we always say to them. Uh, but, yeah, chaps, I think we've uh, we've put the world to rights there. And I'm, I'm sorry your, your first appearance couldn't be uh, talking about a victory, Jacob. I'm, uh, we, we'd love to get you on again at some stage this season. And hopefully we can pick a game where we can bloody win it uh, and we can <laughs> no. speak even longer about it. <laughs> Yeah, guys, it's been a pleasure, pleasure being on the pod. So anytime, yeah, give me a shout and I'm more than happy to come on. But um, yeah, no, keep up the great work. I think I've only heard great things about the podcast. Obviously, I listen to it as well. Um, and I think it's just great that it's just two fans having a chat, proper chat about football. It's, it's almost, I think the great thing about this podcast, is it almost sounds like, not to, not to be funny, but like you're in the pub over a pint yeah. having a chat about the football. And I think that's the great thing about it, particularly at the moment, because we're not able to do that. So yeah, keep up the fantastic work and more than happy to come on again, hopefully later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for those guys that don't know what Jacob does with his stuff, he's obviously the founder of WD18 Fans, which has sort of grown. That was one of the first real Watford fan pages that I ever knew of when I was uh, first introduced to Twitter. So we'll obviously be tagging those guys in, in the tweet. So uh, if you don't already, uh, I find it, A, find it hard to believe that you don't, uh, and B, go and follow them. Uh, and obviously Jacob makes the odd appearance on uh, Hive Live as well. So keep up the uh, fantastic work, mate. So, so, uh, yeah, no problem. But, yeah, that's, uh, that wraps it up for this week. Um, bit bit of a naff result, but um, hopefully we'll be back next week. Don't forget, myself and Ben, that's a good point, actually, because I almost did forget that. Myself and Ben, obviously, with a midweek game, we're playing Tuesday at home to Rotherham. Um, we can't do a YouTube live after the game because Ben's actually going to be at Vicarage Road. We are now going to be doing the YouTube lives a day after the game because we do realise that the games tend to finish about half nine. So it is quite late by the time we get around to doing them. So on Wednesday at 6pm, uh, we'll confirm the time in the week. Myself and Ben will be on YouTube Live to dissect, hopefully, a Watford victory over Rotherham. Uh, and then we'll be back on the podcast um, with... Berm, uh, with James from the Watford Way uh, and we'll be talking about the Birmingham City results uh, and hopefully we can get one over my hometown team because that would be absolutely marvellous uh, but as always from me Ben and this week Jacob thank you very very much for tuning in enjoy the rest of your Sunday have a good week stay safe and we'll speak to you next time thank you very much guys <laughs> We'll be
Social Podcast Network.